Welcome to Faith and Family. I'm your host, Andy Bates. Great family conversations today. We're going to talk with two moms faced with questions and uh, perhaps even influences uh, from the world, faced with challenges and questions uh, during pregnancy. And uh, that question, why I chose life. We're going to talk with both of them about that here in just a little bit. Hope you can join us for those conversations. I, I believe it's uh, going to be compelling uh, in, in when you hear these these stories. I want to say thanks to our underwriter, Concordia University, Wisconsin, for supporting this program. You can find out more about Concordia University, Wisconsin on our website. Go to kfuo.org. Look for the sponsor section there. You'll find the CUW logo. I encourage you to, to check it out. Click on that CUW logo and find out more about Concordia University, Wisconsin. Joining me by phone this morning, Ellen McLattery. She's a member of Messiah Lutheran Church in Danville, California, a mom, a wife, and uh, she's got a, a, a just a beautiful story to share. Ellen, welcome to Faith and Family today. Thank you for having me. It's uh, it's good to have you with us this morning. I'm looking forward to sharing your story, which recently appeared on uh, the, the Lutheran Witness blog online. Uh, if you go to blogs.lcms.org, you can find Ellen's story on there, among uh, many other great stories. But uh, I, when I read this story... Um, well, first of all, I had to get out the tissues, uh, but uh, then I uh, realized, man, this is a story that I really wanted to share here on Faith and Family. Let's 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 share the story of the the McLattery family. Tell us uh, about your family, uh, how you met your husband, and the, the, a little bit of the history of your family. Sure. So I um, am a nurse. I'm a NICU nurse, and I um, live in California and took a travel nursing assignment in Michigan to spend some time with my extended family. And while I was in Michigan, I met my husband, and we. Um, Dated for a few months while I was in Michigan, and then I came back to California, and we dated long distance for a little bit, and then he followed me out here, and we <laughs> um, got married on the one-year anniversary of our first date. Aww. And um, we have a beautiful daughter named Emmeline, who is uh, three and a half, and then when she was about a year and a half old, we learned we were expecting again, and we were thrilled and so excited, and... Um, at our 12-week ultrasound, we um, got the news that the baby looked like it might have something wrong with it. Hmm. So that was understandably really devastating. Hmm, yeah. Um, and we really wrestled with, do we do further testing? Do we not do further testing? We um, met with our wonderful pastor, Pastor Ledick from Messiah, and um, just prayed and talked and wrestled with the decision. Um I think coming from a pro-life background, I'd always thought, oh, well, there's a risk with a miscarriage with an amniocentesis. I would never do that. Um, but really in talking with um, our perinatologist, the high-risk uh, high pregnancy doctor, um, that technology has really changed over the years. Mm -hmm. Ultrasound is so much better than it used to be. That He said that he's done thousands of amnios and never had a miscarriage as a result. Wow. So we felt comfortable proceeding with the amnio after wrestling with it for a little while. Mm -hmm. So at 16 weeks along, we um, we did the amnio, and at that ultrasound, the doctor said that he saw some more markers consistent with Down syndrome. Um, so we waited, and about 10 days later, we got a phone call from a genetic counselor letting us know that the baby did, in fact, have Down syndrome. Um, we found out it was a little boy. Um, when so, yeah. 
with, you mentioned that uh, before you were, were you you weren't even sure if you wanted to do tests to further right. tests to, to to find out, um, and uh, I, I imagine that that would be a struggle because on one hand I'm sure you just you want to know is there something I can do to 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 help this child is and you just want to know so you can start planning too what what can I do to help this child? Yeah, that's exactly it. Along the way, were you ever faced with the question, whether it be by others outside your family or the those providing medical care for you, um, were you faced with the question, do you want to terminate your your pregnancy? Absolutely. I think we were very lucky in that um, I, I work with a lot of these, um, mm-hmm. my doctors being a NICU nurse, so sure. um, I think that, I don't know if I had a different relationship with them than another person may have you know, coming off the street, but I was very clear from the start that um, my husband and I wanted this information for planning purposes. Mm-hmm. Um, as a NICU nurse, I know that it's nice to have a plan in place for high-risk pregnancies and for deliveries, mm-hmm. um, but I said from the start, you know, this isn't because we would consider terminating the pregnancy, but because we just want information. And so even though I was very clear with the doctor and the genetic counselor prior to the amnio and when I got the phone call, um, the genetic counselor gave me the option to interrupt the pregnancy, which I thought was an interesting euphemism. Mm. Um, and, you know, I said, no, that's not something we would consider. And I really didn't get the question much thereafter. I talked to other moms who really got a lot of pressure saying, well, this is the best option and you don't want to bring a child like this into the world. And um, I, we didn't face that. And we have very wonderfully supportive family and friends who um, share our worldview and that nobody suggested this, this would be a good thing to do. Mm-hmm. Yeah, your your article, you, you made a, a great point, um, you know, as, as you bring it up now, you know, what is the, the best thing to do? Should, should you bring a child into the world uh, who has uh, Down syndrome or any other kind of uh, difficulty, any other challenges or, or something that, that's going to be a hardship for him or her throughout life. And I, I love how you responded to that. Uh, I love your response to that. You know, if, if, <laughs> if we, if none of us were going to face, uh, you know, if none of us should face suffering, then, well, none of us should even be born. Yes. That's, <laughs> that's exactly my take on it. I think there are no guarantees in this life and everybody faces challenges and difficulties and um, I'm so thankful for a faith that tells me there's a reason for those difficulties that mm-hmm. it's um, for a purpose and I I think it's really arrogant to say um, the challenges of Down syndrome are so great that it's not worthy of living life so that um, this child doesn't deserve to live because he faces so many difficulties. That, that that is so arrogant for us to say that. Yeah, hmm. and I think it's interesting. Most studies show that people with Down syndrome are very happy with their lives. That they like their appearance. They um, they really enjoy their family and their friendships. And so I think really. Um, what it comes down to is parents are very afraid, and I really can relate to that. When we got the news, I was terrified and devastated, and but I, I don't have any personal experience with people with Down syndrome. I, I don't 
know if I can do this. Mm-hmm. So I, I do think that people kind of couch it in, well, this is what's best for the child, but I feel like a lot of times that's maybe a little disingenuous or not being honest with themselves. Um, but really, it it's very scary as a parent, and people think that they aren't cut out for it. So what did you do to, but once you learned that your baby had Down syndrome, it was confirmed through the, the tests that your baby had Down syndrome, that your son had Down syndrome, and um, and you were, were fully intent on uh, and being uh, his mom, uh, being his parents, and, and carrying him to term. How then did you start to prepare for that? Well, we cried a lot. <laughs> <laughs> And prayed a lot, and um, there are some great books out there. I connected with some people online who have kids with Down syndrome. I happened to have a dear childhood friend who has a son with Down syndrome, so I called her that night, and um, she actually said, oh, I wish everybody could have a baby with Down syndrome, <laughs> and it wasn't what I was really ready to hear that night, I have to say, but um, since then, I've really come to appreciate what she had to say, and I've got um, gotten to meet her son, Liam, and... Um, she lived across the country, but actually just moved to California. So um, definitely connecting with people, getting more information. And really, um, you know, we grieved for a long time that Samuel wouldn't be typical. And um, he also had heart defects and um, some other health issues. So we knew that that was coming and we knew we were going to be facing open heart surgery. So it was a difficult year from the time of diagnosis to post-open heart surgery certainly, but. Hmm. Now, how soon after birth did he go in for, uh, did, did he go into surgery? He um, had um, about a week in the NICU when he was first born, and then his um, surgery was when he was between three and four months old. And then he ended up developing um, another heart issue that he had another open heart surgery right after his first birthday. Wow. So, from from before he was born, you you knew that this was going to be uh, difficult. You knew that there would be challenges, that there would be um, some some suffering along the way. How did your how did your husband uh, handle the news when you found out that uh, that your son would have uh, that, that your son had uh, Down syndrome, um, and, and how did he prepare for this? Um, he was wonderful. He was. Um very concerned about me and and, um, how I was doing. He certainly had his own fears and questions as well, but I think um, the Lord was gracious in that we were able to handle that together and and process that together. Um, I think it was similar for him, you know, reading information, talking with people. He um, was teaching music at the time and happened to have a student who um, was older and had a son with Down syndrome, so... Um, you know, you, you just find these little connections mm-hmm. along the way that I think are very encouraging. How about the the rest of your family, your uh, your extended family? How how have they been a part of uh, receiving the news and and learning and growing and preparing for the challenges you would face? You know, it it was difficult news for everyone. I think that some people were um, able to respond in the moment a little better than others in terms of, um, you know, sharing their own feelings of, of disappointment or, or shock or grief. Um, 
but overall, everybody has been so supportive. And um, now that Samuel's here, everybody loves him so much. He's just, you know, everybody's joy. So we're grateful. We're so grateful that we have families who share our faith and share our um, outlook on mm-hmm. life matters. What were the things that you were afraid of, you were worried about before he was born, and how have those been uh, addressed now that uh, now that he's born and uh, been through the surgeries? What were some of the things that, that you feared beforehand, and, and how do you see them now? Wow, that, there were a lot of fears. Um, <laughs> I don't even know where to start with those. There were so many. Um, you know, first of all, this worried that was he going to live, you know, with... Mm-hmm. Um, with the heart defects and open heart surgeries. And um, so, you know, I I think it was in some ways almost hard for me to fully bond with him um, while I was pregnant. And then even those first few months, I loved him tremendously, but there was this fear of, are we going to have him um, for a long time? Or is he, you know, going to not make it through the surgery? Or how how will this play out? And, um, And just really having to trust that, God has all of our days numbered and that, um, you know, he would just give us the grace to walk the path that he set before us. So I think, you know, first of all, the fear of of would he live and then also what would his life be like? Would he be able to read and, you know, function in this world and how would society, you know, embrace our son or not? And I think that we've come such a long way in terms of understanding Down syndrome and there are so many more therapies and tools available now to help people with Down syndrome reach their potential. They're in um, mainstream classrooms with AIDS and people with Down syndrome are doing wonderful things. There are even some colleges that have um, post-secondary school opportunities for people with Down syndrome. So um, it's it's an exciting time really to, to... live with Down syndrome in terms of they used to just be put in institutions or shut off from society, and I, it's not the case now. Your son is very much so a part of your family. Now, Now, tell us about, you mentioned that you, you have a daughter as well. Yes. Tell us about the relationship between your daughter and your son. Emmeline is <laughs> um, just a little spitfire. She's got so much personality and so much energy and... Um, she absolutely adores her brother. I, um, have been saying since he was born that, um, you know, probably his biggest risk in this life is being smothered, um, by Emmeline <laughs> out of love. <laughs> so she, um, has loved him from day one and, you know, at three and a half, she doesn't really see the differences yet. Um, Samuel is very delayed. He's 19 months old and he doesn't, um, crawl. He doesn't stand. He doesn't walk. He just sit just placed in sitting, um, you know, to open heart surgery certainly have mm-hmm. compounded his delays. So to him, to Emmy, he's just still a little baby, really, because he's not running around and chasing her or stealing <laughs> her toys yet. <laughs> but um, Soon <laughs> enough. <laughs> yes, yes. <laughs> she is fiercely um, proud of him and protective of him. And we haven't even really had the conversation with her yet about Down syndrome or what that is, because mm-hmm. she just doesn't even see it yet. Sure. Well, you said he's, he's Samuel's eighteen months old now. Nineteen. Yeah. Nineteen. Wow! Yeah. I have a son about the same age. Okay. So, yeah. So we were uh, going through all of those uh, those different uh, stages, probably pretty close. 
Yeah. Wow. And 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 that's I probably why this the the story why your story was uh it hit home for me is you know just the, those questions that come up during pregnancy and the what ifs and how will I do this I think for me as a as a new parent the how am I going to you know am I going to be a good dad am I going to do these things that that I that I want to do or you know I want to be a, a faithful parent and do all the things that God has given me to do and I want to do them well so many questions that that we face as parents and then uh, not only do you have those then you add the the questions that come up with something that you've never faced before, as you mentioned, you you didn't uh, you didn't know personally someone with Down syndrome or who had uh, had uh, any experience with that, and I, I can't imagine the the questions and challenges. But it sounds like all those questions and challenges uh, are or those questions are are being answered, and, and and it sounds like in a very positive way as you're learning about the resources and so many things that that can be helpful to you and your son, your whole family. Uh, you're right. We've come a long way in terms of, of uh, resources to, to help, including education. Um, it, not too long ago, I learned about uh, uh, Concordia University, Wisconsin, and Bethesda uh, Communities, Bethesda Lutheran Communities. They've partnered together, and they have Bethesda College of Applied Learning um, for individuals with uh, developmental disabilities. So you're right. The, day after day, there are, there are more opportunities uh, coming available, and it's just it's great to hear. Yeah, it's very exciting. Where where do we go from here? Uh, what are the, the what does day to day life look like with Sammy? Well, it's um, a lot of appointments and therapies. Mm-hmm. He, um, as I said, is quite delayed. I'm um, really even for Down syndrome. I think the two open heart surgeries certainly contribute to that. But um, he has physical therapy twice a week. He has occupational therapy. He has speech therapy. He um, has a little bit of an oral aversion where he doesn't want to eat food. So. Mm. Um, we're looking at possibly a feeding tube in the um, near future. So um, a lot of, there are a lot of health issues and um, individuals with Down syndrome don't always have so many health issues, but they certainly are at risk for a lot of them. Mm-hmm. So he's been in the hospital with pneumonia and um, ER trips for croup and um, he certainly has a lot of medical appointments. So I think sure. for now it's kind of getting him through this these early years where um, hopefully we can address a lot of these health concerns so that he's able to live a a full and happy life. Um, And um, we're just kind of trying to take it day by day. So I I think about, oh, what will school be like and where will he go to school? And um, I have to kind of stop and say, you know what, today we're going to think about (laughs) (laughs) his physical therapy exercises and what can we do to help him, you know, start crawling so um trying to trying to take it day by day taking just one day at a time instead of letting a whole bunch of days pile up on you at once huh exactly <laughs> when when you meet someone uh when you meet a new parent uh or someone who's expecting and they they have questions you know some what would be your your words uh of perhaps encouragement to someone who who may find themselves in in the situation you were in, learning during the pregnancy that um, something isn't necessarily happening as planned, that perhaps something different is, is going on, that uh, their child may have an illness, a, a disease, or a condition, something that that's going to make life different than it would be for, uh, as you said, a typical child. I think that I would um, want to say that it's okay to grieve. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that um, 
people can sometimes feel like if I acknowledge the grief that I don't love my child. <laughs> um, and that's just not true. <laughs> but, you know, when you find out that you're expecting, you have all of these hopes and dreams for your child. And mm-hmm. um, it really is putting aside the dreams that you thought you had and you're, you're grieving that and then coming to find new hopes and dreams for your child. And that takes time. It takes quite a bit of time for some people. Um, and then I think for Down syndrome specifically, I, I think something that somebody said to me that I just really clung to when I was pregnant was um, she told me, you know, when I look at my son, I don't see Down syndrome, I see my son. And I just, oh, I just cried when she told me that because I think that there really was that fear that all I would see was Down syndrome. And, um, you know, I think for sometimes people from the outside looking in when they see Samuel, they see Down syndrome. They don't know him. They don't know anything else about him. Mm-hmm. But once you get to know him, it's just a small piece of who he is. It's not defining um, or all-encompassing. So I think, you know, for somebody who were to receive a Down syndrome diagnosis or any other um, challenging piece of news about a baby they were expecting, just that that's not the whole picture and that's not who your baby is. It's a, it's a piece of what's happening, but there's so much more than just a medical issue or a condition or, you know, whatever's going on. Who Tell us about uh, Samuel's personality that, that that's developing and growing. Tell us about uh, Samuel, uh, who this whole person is. He is um, such a happy little guy. He um, loves music. He loves, um, he just kind of sits and bops to music, which is adorable. <laughs> and he has a great sense of humor. He just loves to laugh. And um, he definitely is um, happy to sit and take things in and watch. I think, honestly, some of his developmental delays are that he's just so happy to just sit and take things in that he's not motivated to um, try to to crawl because he'd rather just sit in my lap. But um, he um, he loves people. He loves his dog. <laughs> he um, oh. he uh, he's just a happy little guy. When I hear uh, a story like this. Uh, you know, the John chapter 9 comes to mind. As Jesus passed by, he saw a man blind from birth, and his disciples asked him, Rabbi, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? Jesus answered, It was not that this man sinned or his parents, but that the works of God might be displayed in him. I love that passage. <laughs> and, I am. Um, you know, I, I, I remember reading it and appreciating it before Samuel, but it really does take on more significance to me now. And um, it really, it, it's so encouraging that this isn't something random that happened, <laughs> that it's not something that we caused. Um, it's, it's just part of God's perfect plan. That in him, God might be displayed. <laughs> That's right. Hmm. Ellen, what a, a beautiful story. Thank you so much for, uh, for sharing your story today. Thanks to your family for making arrangements so that, uh, that you could be on the phone today. I know that you all have a lot going on with uh, all the therapy that, that Sammy attends to. And uh, so I appreciate all the help from, from your whole family today so that we could share your story. Thanks so much. Thank you for inviting me. Ellen McLattery, a member of 
Messiah Lutheran Church in Danville, California, proud mom and wife. Coming up in just a little bit, we've got another great story, Why I Chose Life. We're going to talk with Deaconess Ellie Coro right here on Listener Supported Worldwide, KFUO, the messenger of good news. Concordia University, Mequon, Wisconsin, overlooks the beautiful shoreline of Lake Michigan. This serene main campus of CUW is just 15 miles north of Milwaukee with all its vibrant cultural attractions. At Concordia University, Wisconsin, students living by the motto of inspiration in action can choose from 69 undergraduate majors, 14 master degree programs, and doctorates in pharmacy, physical therapy, and nursing practice. For more information or to take a virtual tour, visit cuw.edu. This is Life Issues with Brad Mattis, Executive Director of Life Issues Institute. New research suggests babies definitely don't like it when their mothers smoke. Durham and Lancaster University conducted a study by doing ultrasounds on pregnant women who smoke 14 cigarettes a day. The 40 ultrasounds were done in the second and third trimesters. The unborn babies appeared to grimace when their mothers lit up their cigarettes when compared with babies whose mothers didn't smoke. Ironically, the very pro-abortion magazine Cosmopolitan carried the story with condemnation for smoking when pregnant because it harms the babies. But yet they resoundingly support the decision of a mother to intentionally kill her baby by abortion any time throughout pregnancy. I believe abortion's on a collision course with science and is living on borrowed time. Let's pray it ends soon. Life Issues. Stay informed. More informed than you've ever been. Hello from Michigan. We are Roger and Leela Thurow, members of Our Savior Lutheran Church, located in Scottville, just a few miles from the Lake Michigan shoreline. For the past three years, Leela and I have been day sponsors on KFUO in honor of our wedding anniversary. The voice of KFUO streams into our home, bringing the blessings of programs like Law and Gospel, Thy Strong Word, Book Talk, Moments of Assurance, and many more. If the messenger of good news has blessed you, we would like to encourage you to consider becoming a KFUO day sponsor. This opportunity to be a KFUO day sponsor reminds me of the words of a great hymn. If you cannot speak like angels, if you cannot preach like Paul, you can tell the love of Jesus. You can say he died for all. This is Mary Schmidt. To be a day sponsor, call me 314-996-1518. Hey, Craig D'Onofrio here. I wish you a blessed Holy Week. On Monday, Thursday, Pastor Mark Sell and I are going to have a wonderful presentation on the Lord's Supper, celebrating Monday, Thursday. On Good Friday, we have a tenebrae service on Reformation Rush Hour. Of course, KFUO will be having a Traore service from noon to 3 central. Holy Week on Reformation Rush Hour and worldwide KFUO, the messenger of good news. It's okay if you miss a program on Worldwide KFUO because you can download them as a podcast at your convenience. There are so many programs at Worldwide KFUO that are centered on the gospel of Jesus Christ. 
Don't miss one of them. You can download one or all at kfuo.org or subscribe on iTunes. That's kfuo.org, the messenger of good news. Are you one of the 1.32 billion Facebook users? More importantly, do you follow Worldwide KFUO on Facebook? When you follow KFUO, you'll learn about upcoming programs and guests. You'll see pictures of the studio and live KFUO events. Go to Facebook.com slash KFUO radio and click the like button. Then share us with your friends and follow along throughout the day. Liking KFUO radio on Facebook will help you share the faith with your friends and keeps you up to date on what's going on at Worldwide KFUO, the messenger of good news. Welcome to Faith and Family. I'm your host, Andy Bates. Today we're talking with moms who chose life. Uh, whatever the predicament, whatever the, whatever the situation, um, we, we face all kinds of, 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 of challenges and difficulties and uh, different scenarios that, that life throws our way. And uh, we have another uh, great story to share with you today, Deaconess Ellie Coro. Uh, she's Missionary Care Coordinator in the LCMS Office of International Mission, a friend of mine, also a, a member of the congregation uh, that I, I serve and a, a member as well. So uh, it, Ellie has a, a great story to share today as well, a very, uh, very dear story. Um, Ellie, let's, let's talk about growing up. Um, tell us about, uh, the, the life in which you grew up, the world. You haven't always been, uh, a confessing Lutheran to begin with, right? No, no, not at all. <laughs> um, both my par- parents are actually, uh, retired Air Force. So I grew up Air Force brat as we lovingly <laughs> call it. So I was born in Germany and my first time living in the States was my freshman year of high school. Wow. So I bounced around a lot and um yeah, so it was, it was fun, interesting. <laughs> Germany, how long Germany, we bounced around back and forth between Germany and Turkey. Wow. Um did two tours in each place and then we um rounded off in England for 6 years. And I don't came... even hear the accent. <laughs> when I when I when I first moved here, the things would did. pop up or uh-huh. and I still have little phrases that I use that people look at me like, what? <laughs> and I was like, oh, that must be an English-ism. <laughs> Nobody here says that. <laughs> I was at the store yesterday checking out, uh, uh, buying something, and the, the cashier said something about, well, well thanks, love. I, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so is it one of those things? Yeah, the occasional Darby instead of Derby will come out, stuff like that. <laughs> it's, it sounds odd to me to say it the American way. But yeah, most of high school, I had to like force myself to say it the American way. <laughs> <laughs> to do things the American way. Okay, so you grew up uh, an Air Force kid, moving around from place to place. Your first, uh, let's see, you, you, you lived in the U.S. then in high school? High school, yeah. My freshman year of high school, so I was 14. And uh, my folks retired to Vermont in this uh, tiny little town in Vermont um, where, you know, no stoplight, nothing, uh-huh. and uh, go to this little tiny high school uh, where they ask me what state England's in, <laughs> and uh, which was about the time that my folks started uh, really attending church. Mm-hmm. We didn't, uh, we, we weren't big churchgoers overseas. I think there were probably a lot of reasons we were never opposed to it. It was never, I think, a conscious choice to not go to church. Although sadly, that's often the case. It's just other things get in the way. But so we weren't a big church family before that, and then um, my folks started attending church. 
Um, of course, by then I'm a high school, and it's like anything your parents do is, is wrong, not cool, wrong, 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 wrong. <laughs> yeah, it's like why would I get up Sunday morning and go to church? <laughs> so, when it, did you go, or reluctantly? occasionally, occasionally, I was probably the Christmas and Easter kid, and a few other occasional times when they could drag me off, but. Um, no, I didn't. I didn't go terribly often. I, I will admit. What was the draw for them? Was there was there a, a conversion experience or just uh, ties to their religious life as children? Yeah, I th- I, there wasn't a big conversion experience. I wouldn't say, um, but it was something they always kind of meant to get to mm-hmm. um, when when we were in the Air Force, and I think just never got there. And now that life had slowed down, it was a nice opportunity to integrate this thing into our lives that we had never really had so so i think that that Mm -hmm. it was really quite as simple as that so in going down to the little village church so you went to the little village church in a small town in vermont yes after living uh, abroad for for a long time what was the what were the things that uh well, that that they learned in church that they brought home. What were the things that you learned about this this church? What were the what was your perspective or your your perception of of God, His Word? What did that all look like at that time? It, it for me, it didn't it didn't look like a lot, honestly. <laughs> um, sort of sort of knew some basic Bible, mm-hmm. um, not not tons and. Uh, couldn't couldn't have found the Gospel of John in a Bible if if you're going to pay me a hundred dollars to do it. it um, so you know, new bits and pieces. Uh, knew I always believed in God. Mm-hmm. It, I wasn't like this fervent atheist or anything like that. It was just, why do I need to go to church? And um, you know, I can just kind of do other things and feel religious. I don't need to study the Bible or go to church or anything else. Um, you know, for my folks, they really started attending to Bible study a whole lot more, um, and Bible study with their church, and then, you know, Bible study with friends, and, you know, because it's sort of cultivated a whole kind mm-hmm. of group of Christian friends, and so there certainly was a lot of, a lot more Jesus, kind of sw- that switch from kind of God in the abstract to Jesus, and what is what does Jesus look like, mm-hmm. and having, having, um, Jesus informed life, but by then, you know, that was before we were Lutherans even. So there was a whole lot of kind of evangelical, uh, how to be more serious for Christ kind of mm-hmm. talk, if you know what I mean. Um, you know, really serious discipleship and stuff like that. And, um, you know, how, how do we, how, how do we live so that, you know, we know that everything's, everything's for Christ. Very, um, you know, looking back on it, pretty law centered. I didn't see it that way at the sure. time, and um, and my folks weren't legalistic. I don't want people to get that mm-hmm. impression. It was just um, very much okay. There's a set of rules, like going to church, sure, that you're supposed to follow if you're a good Christian. <laughs> so here's this set of rules. Here's this. Uh, th- this is what you do, and uh, okay. So yeah. not not totally legalistic, but the, certainly a, a law oriented. Um, worldview when it comes to yeah when the focus of christianity becomes being a better person it's always going to be law-centered versus you know christ's forgiveness for you and we're sinners in need of christ's forgiveness Mm -hmm. and that's what i'm was kind of trying to say is you know we didn't really have that emphasis Mm -hmm. um 
that that didn't come until much later when we all kind of converted on mass to Lutheranism. But that's, <laughs> you know, not to give away the end of the story. <laughs> we'll get to that part of the story. Okay, so high school, you grew up with, uh, you all started, to, or your your parents started going to church. Did you ever start going to church with them or, or Bible study or, or? No, no, not really. No, no not at all. Um, like I said, you know, I'd go for Christmas and Easter and yeah. stuff like that. Um, but. Yeah, I mean that was that was about the extent of it. <laughs> so what after high school? What came next? So uh, I go off to college mm-hmm. and um, went to a state college in Vermont, and um, <laughs> you know, <laughs> what did you what study came next? <laughs> what did you first of all? What did you study? What were your plans with well, college? Well, I had I was uh, majoring in American literature. And um, minoring in history, thinking about becoming a teacher was sort of my plans. And that was after changing my major several times. It's like <laughs> even asking what I was majoring in was, isn't an easy question. You were majoring I think I, in majors? Yeah, I think I started off double majoring in psychology and criminal justice because I was going to be a lawyer or something. And then I got to American literature and like a minor in philosophy, which I then changed to history or something. It was, it was ridiculous. So I was kind of on the 12 year plan. <laughs> did, did you change your program winter quarter of your senior year? Because that's a really good plan. <laughs> you sound like, you know, <laughs> <laughs> your parents love to hear that yeah, during yeah, winter yeah, quarter yeah, of yeah, senior yeah, year. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So you, you were, you were majoring, uh, well, you were, you were thinking, uh, literature, thinking about being a teacher uh-huh. and changed plans a couple of times. Yeah. Yeah. And, um, you know, kind of as the story goes, I start, you know, dating this guy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, and you know, it was, it's college. It's college. Yeah. Yeah. I don't, I don't want to get paint too many pictures, sure. but yeah, it's college. And it's, it's college. It's it, the, the worldview is it, very, very secular. And this mm-hmm. is a very, very liberal college. I mean, people that don't know, um, Vermont's a very, very liberal state. Um, a lot of people are fighting gay marriage. Now we dealt with that in like 2000. Mm-hmm. In Vermont. And so, I mean, Vermont was... They have great cheese and maple syrup. They have fantastic cheese, fantastic maple syrup, fantastic beer. But <laughs> yeah, so so all of that was kind of a foregone conclusion mm-hmm. when I, you know, when I went off to college. Those are the things we were talking about. And um, dealing with all of my professors were very, very liberal. Mm-hmm. Um, and... With an agenda and, you know, what what you would expect from a very liberal college and a very mm-hmm. liberal state. It's a and free world. It's 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 a free society. It's, it's your body. Yeah. Do whatever you choose. Yeah, 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 yeah. So, so, yeah, I started, you know, trying to feel out that path and see what that looks like. And um, so, yeah, so, you know, as part of that, you know, it's like start dating this, you know, guy that's kind of free and mm-hmm. not, you know, is not particularly interested in anything to do with Christianity or anything else. Um, and, and yeah, so, um, we dated for about two years, uh, before I, uh, finally got pregnant with my son, Andrew. So you learned that you were pregnant. Now, are you away at school or were you at home? I was away at school. How did you share with your parents that, uh, well, Let's back up before we even get to sharing with your parents. 
What did you do when you found out you were pregnant? I, well, I cried a lot. Hmm. Um, I, um, it's funny, funny the way you, <laughs> your mind works when you're kind of in crisis mode because it's, it's not logical. Mm-hmm. Um, part of the real value of crisis pregnancy centers, if I can just get that plug in, um, mm-hmm. is so, you know, I, I, I hadn't been feeling well for a while. And so I was at the grocery store kind of buying soup and stuff and this voice in my head just said, you should buy a pregnancy test. And I was like, okay. And so anyway, so I take this pregnancy test and it's positive. And so, um, yeah, I'm pretty, pretty upset, pretty, pretty hysterical. Um, I called my boyfriend first Mm -hmm. and he lived about an hour and a half away at the time. So he comes over and, um, by then I had run out before he got over he um i had run to the store bought two more pregnancy tests <laughs> just to confirm it <laughs> just to confirm it um and um and of course those were positive too and i i think the the record is around five or six so yeah yeah for, for i figured if three were all the same it was, <laughs> yeah and um and of course he was very upset mm-hmm. mostly with me <laughs> um so he was angry with you. He was very angry with me um, and informed me that if I didn't have an abortion, he would leave. Hmm. And, you know, if I had an abortion, everything would be fine. We could just go back to normal and it would be like nothing ever happened. Um, and if I didn't have an abortion, he wasn't going to stick around. At that time in your life, what did abortion mean to you? What... I, my 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 family um, has always been pretty pro life, um, even more so pro life as we. Mm-hmm. Um, and of course, I you know you don't spend a lot of time talking about that as a child, but mm-hmm. certainly, and I would have considered myself pro life. Um, I mean, I'm I'm the sort of person that will pick up earthworms off the sidewalk after it rains. I'm one of those people. I, <laughs> I let bugs outside instead of, yeah, I, it's kind of a problem. <laughs> and um, you, you know, just let all God's critters live. Huh? Yeah. I, I'm a big fan of letting things live. And um, so, so I certainly, I'm not some, somebody that would have been tagged as real abortion vulnerable, mm-hmm. but you know, when you're in crisis mode, and you've got your boyfriend who you think you love saying, you know, we can, we can just fix this. It's, it's, it's nothing permanent. Mm. Um, we, we, nobody even needs to know. And of course, at this point, what's going through my mind is I've, I've really let my parents down and I knew I had sort of been letting, I, I knew I had been letting them down prior to that because I had, you know, sort of deviated off this path. Um, you know, here I am 23, still in college and not really moving towards graduating (laughs) just sort of this perpetual student thing and you know involved in a lot of things that um you wouldn't want to write home about and so i knew i'd i'd been letting them down but this was like in my mind like the final Mm -hmm. the final straw and you know how do you come back from that you know, a lot of people have periods in college where they kind of go off the reservation and then kind of get their act together and come so back. So the wild but, oats and then come back. And come back. But, you know, when you're when you're pregnant, 
there, 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 there's no way there's no way there's something substantial here that. yeah <laughs> um you know once they know the cat's out of the bag and i knew that once i told my parents our relationship would never be the same again hmm. and so you know ha- <laughs> so i i did put off telling them mm-hmm. um i uh called my best friend bear in mind i'm in vermont She's in Virginia and I'm going to cry now. (laughs) That's okay. So she's in Virginia and I tell her on the phone and she's like, okay, hold on. I'll be up there. And she gets in her car (sighs) and drives from Virginia to Vermont. Wow. It's a long drive. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and she was a full-time teacher. I mean, she had like a job and everything else. So she took, <laughs> she took some sick time. She called out sick and she gets in her car. I mean, nope. She had, I'm sure she had other plans that week. And, you know, instead of just, you know, consoling me on the phone, which any normal person would have mm-hmm. done. So, you know, she was there with me and, um, it was, this was a weekend. And so it's Monday morning and I wanted to go to the local pregnancy center, um, CareNet, and talk to them. But they were actually closed. They're closed every Monday, that one is, Hmm. which is interesting. Um, And in my brain, it made sense that even though I didn't want an abortion, that Planned Parenthood does abortions. And so they would have doctors there. And I didn't have insurance or anything else. I was like, well, I could go see a doctor and they could confirm for me pregnancy and um, maybe tell me how far along I am and kind of I can start sort of making plans mm-hmm. with something more concrete than a home pregnancy test because I didn't know where to start. And um, so I go to Planned Parenthood and um, I, there, there, there was no doctor, first of all. Um, there was a counselor, quote unquote. Um, and she gave me a home pregnancy test, the same one that I had taken, which they charged me $75 for. (laughs) And, um, because they charged me for that and for the, um, counseling, which was a stack of pamphlets about everything a baby needs, which is money, mom with a good job, a husband or stable boyfriend, and of course, these are all things that I don't have. Sure, none of which you <laughs> none possess of at none the time, of yeah. which I possess. And um, and so a whole big other stack of pamphlets on abortion, how easy it is, um, and even the name of a doctor who would do late term abortions if I couldn't make up my mind or if I changed my mind later, hmm. could do that. And so you know, no big rush, but certainly a lot of pressure and I think there was one little pamphlet on adoption but with no no information on where to go for adoption if you were interested in pursuing adoption um it was it was pretty pretty clear what the choice was that I was supposed to make and so even though I walked in not particularly abortion-minded um you know still scared still how am I going to tell my parents what I'm going to do um you were thinking you wanted to have a plan 
Yeah. You wanted to show your parents, I'm doing something responsible. I messed up, but I'm doing something responsible. Yeah, or I, I think I wanted everything to slow down a little bit mm-hmm. and, you know, just stop a minute, let me think, uh, let me figure it out. And then once I walked out of there, it seemed, you know, completely hopeless. What am, you know, how am I going to get any kind of job that I can support a baby mm-hmm. and, um, you know, I can't stay in my apartment and... You know, all these, all these practical things. Cause I had this nice little apartment and it's like, well, I can't stay in my apartment with a baby. And oh, you know, I've got this, this gas stove in the middle of the hallway and I can't have a baby with a gas stove in the middle of my hallway. I mean, it, it which sounds ludicrous, but it's but just all the questions. That, it's yeah, just crisis thinking. And sure. you know, it's, it's very emotional as opposed to being very rational. And yeah. So, um, you know, I'm talking to my best friend as we're coming out of Planned Parenthood and, um, and she said, you know, I really think you just need to tell your parents. And I said, I'll, I'll go with you. Um, you know, we'll just drive we'll drive to the house, let them know we're coming in for dinner. And we'll just sit down and tell your parents. And, you know, and of course, by then the boyfriend's gone. Oh, I mean, this is two days and he's gone. Hmm. And um, so she, so I called the house that night and said, you know, I'm going to, Arenda's in town. Uh, which is my friend's name, and um, we wanted to come in for dinner. Um, that'd be okay. <laughs> <laughs> on a Monday. Everything's fine. <laughs> is this, and this yeah, was on a Monday? This is, I think this is on a Monday, yeah. And so um, so I think, you know, my parents aren't stupid. They knew something was up, but they didn't ask me too many questions on the phone. Um, kind of let it let it be, and like, oh, okay, um, what can we fix? And, um <laughs> You know, my mom is the consummate hostess, and so I think she probably fixed something fabulous. So we come home and... And you didn't want to eat anything. <laughs> yeah. And so, you know, I... Yeah. And so, I remember we sat out on their sun porch, and, you know, right away they're like, okay, you know, something's up. What's what's going on? And so I uh, told them that I was pregnant, and, um, you know, first thing my mom did was hug me. <laughs> and... Um, you know, they didn't, they didn't, I was, I was expecting judgment. Yeah. I mean, I was expecting more kind of the knee jerk anger. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, she's thrown her life away. Um, everything else. And it was none of that, at least not that they expressed to me. Um, they were very kind and very forgiving and, um, you know, we sat down and like we worked out a plan and it was never a question that, you know, I was going to have an abortion or even give him up for adoption. It was like, no, we're, we're going to do this and we're a family and, you know, families go through good times, families go through bad times. And um, sometimes it's even hard to recognize what the mm-hmm. good times are um, <laughs> and the hard times because things that you know, as I've learned, things that look like terrible trials at first and turn into, you know, your greatest sources of joy and blessing. And <laughs> of course, that's not always true, but um, yeah, so I ended up um, taking a break from college and uh, moving in with them and lived with them for a couple of years, which enabled me to be with him be with my Mm -hmm. son um while he was a baby you know i wasn't trying to put him in daycare or leave him with sitters or whatever else to try and work because i was able to just be mom Mm. 
and it was an enormous sacrifice on their part. And yeah. And what I'm sure what a not only a, a gift to you so that you could have that time to be with him, but the to have more people in his life as well. Yeah. Yeah. You you mentioned that the the father, your boyfriend gone. Gone. Totally yeah. cut off. Yeah. He didn't want to have any connection whatsoever. Yeah, pretty much. So so he, but he's got grandpa. So now, yeah, it's exactly it's um grandpa and Grammy. Grandpa oh, grandpa who actually isn't grandpa, he's actually Bubba. Bubba. <laughs> um when you're a child living in Turkey, Turkish <laughs> Bubba is Turkish for father. So my dad has always been Bubba to me. He's never been dad. Yeah. And Andrew picked that up for me. So he's Bubba to Andrew as well, which is kind of funny. Mm. Um and so yeah, so then he's got he's got his grandmother there every day. He's got his grandfather there every day. When did you? We're almost out of time, but I want to make sure that that we share this important part of the story as well. When did you really learn about forgiveness? When did when when did you learn about grace and forgiveness? When did those things? What was that pivotal moment for your family? It was was for the way my parents received me. I mean, it was very, I mean, it was, I lived the prodigal son and, you know, when your father, you know, lifts up his robes and comes running to you (laughs) as the father does in the parable and just joy at having what was lost back Mm -hmm. home and seeing that it it, it clicked and, Mm -hmm. um, and, and that's when, um, you know, of course my interest in church grew exponentially and you know living in that grace and mercy and forgiveness that of course they embodied as my parents and um it it certainly made going to church in a lot of ways a piece of cake and they were always very very kind of protective of me because of course you get people in the church that aren't quite as kind Mm -hmm. and but they were always you know she stood she chose life and if we're going to be pro-life it's not just stopping girls from having abortions it's supporting single moms who live with that hard choice Mm -hmm. and i've had the chance to meet your parents great folks and they really do stand by those words and now we have this precious joy who just celebrated confirmation this weekend yes what a beautiful story ellie thank you so much for being my guest i know there's so much more to it i wish we had more time to share it deaconess ellie coro missionary care coordinator lcms office of international mission thanks for being my guest today thanks a lot Faith and Family is a listener-supported program. Your financial support is needed for Faith and Family to continue. Our address is 1333 South Kirkwood Road, St. Louis, Missouri, 63122. You can contact us on the web and download Faith and Family at KFUO.org. Worldwide KFUO, on the air, online, and on demand.